Hello and welcome to the Project 99 podcast. It is November 22nd, 2020. 2020? Yeah. It'll be weird saying 2021. Yeah, it really will be. But we'll be so glad. I will be very glad. I'm so excited for this year to be over. You know, like you have those years in your life where you're like, I'm going to remember this as like one of the worst fucking years of my life. Like everybody knows those years, right? If you look back. And this is like one for everybody. I don't know. I feel like uh, 2020 has definitely been um, stressful. But I don't think it's been one of my worst years. I did like, I don't know. It's hard for me to be like, yeah, 2020 was the worst year ever because for me, because I met like a shit ton of really cool friends this year. Well, that's good. Yeah. Which like, you know, you graduate high school. I've only been in high school for seven years. And like, I, I didn't really make a lot of friends in college because when I was in college, it was like, dual high school college program so I didn't get to interact with people who were on the campus because it was just I don't know because I look like a kid to them so and then now all this shit I finally went back to school but I do all online school because of coronavirus so yeah I just I don't know I feel like I had a hard time meeting people that weren't just people I worked with and I met a shit ton of really cool people this year so I just can't uh I can't shit on 2020 as a whole wow that's good yeah that's why I'm trying to have a positive for this year that was one positive well, I feel like um, for all of the negatives, like normally things run in cycles, right? And I feel like for all the negatives that happened in 2020, um, I feel like we're about to enter a new era. 2020 definitely could have been worse. I mean, Trump lost, so. Right. I mean, you, you know what I mean? According the, to you. If, 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 <laughs> if Trump would have won, 2020 would have just been a fucking shit show. But like, at least we have that. Like Biden yeah. won, like uh, they're, the vaccine that they're developing for coronavirus is looking really promising as of right now. I mean, that's that's all good, good stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to think of the positive so I can end this year on like a positive note. But literally everything this year, I, I've lived in this house for five years, never had water in my basement. Everyone always told me like, oh, be prepared, be prepared. I got fucking water in my basement this year. No one else did. Mm-hmm. It was just like. No, our, my neighbor did. It, like, backed up from the drains. It wasn't even because it was flooding. But it ruined all my Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. So now it's, like, coming around Christmas time. I have no Christmas shit. And so. for our listeners who are not from the local area, we live on an island in the middle of a river. Right. Yeah. It's literally an island. I don't recommend it if you don't like <laughs> flooding. But, like, we live on... Duke and I live, like, a street away from each other. And um, we're actually trying to start our own little tribe here on the island because we have, like, multiple relatives now that have bought houses and moved to the island. So we all live right here in our own little you know one block radius but um yeah it's it's an island in the middle of the high river and so um when it floods like both ends of the islands the points flood like really quickly and then we're on the high spot in the middle of the island so yeah we never really get flood water but that i mean like i said that part i think was just due to the city not cleaning the uh storm drains because they were like full of trash so it just like wasn't taking the water in and it flooded our basement but um yeah, I was so upset because I was like, man, you know, usually we don't put the Christmas tree up until like after, uh, usually after around you and you and Doug's birthday, but we've been putting it up after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. the past couple years and like all my shit got ruined. So Aww. I was so upset, but I found this Christmas tree that it's like, it looks like a pine tree, like the, the bristles on it and stuff look like a pine tree, but it's shaped like a saguaro cactus that is hilarious. and you pull it out of the box and it already has the lights and the ornaments on it. And I'm that like, cool. I'm done with this bitch. I'm gonna pull that out of the box <laughs> and be like done. So I'm excited uh, for that too. But 
Well, that's good. Yeah, so let's, let's start the show on a positive note today. <laughs> I feel like um, 2021 is going to be a transformative year because, I mean, I feel like we've all been kind of in this, we've been in the descending tunnel of darkness for the last at least five years. And it's kind of like, um, you know, when you're drunk <laughs> and you go out and you think you're going to have a good time and then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, my car has a ding in it. And like, and, and by the way, I've never done any of this. I've heard stories. But um, like, <laughs> and you, you wonder because you don't remember. It's like that movie, The Hangover. What like was they, the disaster they, that happened? Like in this last you yeah. know because it's unaware. like that movie the hangover they right. go out for like a bachelor and then they wake up and they're like oh god our friend's gone and we don't <laughs> we don't yeah. know where we are like so you feel like like I, personally i felt like the whole rest of the world has been going through this where they don't understand why the world is descending into chaos and i'm like screaming at people grabbing them by the shirt and being like this is the reason why and like no one's been listening to me but now i feel like Everybody is starting to kind of come on board and understand the bigger picture. And I think if we really get everybody to kind of come on board and understand what's happening, we can actually fix some of the things that are going terribly, 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 disastrously wrong. Like to the point of we almost lost America. Like we have, we came extremely dangerously close to not living in a democracy anymore. And I feel like the mainstream media, and I, I don't like to use that term because it has like a connotation of like right when you're saying mainstream media. But I'm just talking about, you know, CNN, MSNBC. I feel like they're not really freaking out enough over the fact that like we were on, we are on the precipice of a president literally just telling people in his party, like, let's steal the country from the voters. Yeah, that's crazy, too, because usually the mainstream media, Fox News, CNN, all of them, like, try to emotionally amp everything up. Like, it doesn't matter what side, because that's what gets views, is, like, getting people extremely right. polarized. And I was shocked that there weren't more people on CNN just, like, blatantly being like, he's screaming. a fascist. Like, yeah, he's like a fascist. And he's, right. And they weren't doing that. And I'm like, why aren't you doing that? I'm doing this. <laughs> because, like, when they had the impeachment hearing, okay, I wrote a couple articles for Op-Ed about how, you know, Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh and all the right-wing people were saying that trying to hold Trump accountable for things he was doing as the president, which is the House Representative's job in a nutshell— so impeaching him, they were saying, was um, like a coup. They kept using these words. This is a coup. Um, and then when they went down into the confidential room to, you know, kind of, there's a room at the White House, like the skiff, where they go and they meet. And it's like, you can't take cell phones in there. It's like a super secure room. And I remember them flipping out saying, like, Republicans weren't allowed in there. They were being denied access. Like, kind of the same narrative as the whole election ballot counting thing. And um, they were saying this is how communist countries run. Like their rhetoric was out of control. Like they were saying things like this is war. The Democrats are waging war. And I'm like, what the, f like, how are they using this kind of explosive language? And then we actually have a president trying to completely destroy democracy and become a dictator. And like 
CNN's like, well, President Trump is still trying to overturn it legally. I'm like, yeah, like they're the f- talking about it, but I just. But they're I, using languages yeah. so downplaying they, they are. They're absolutely using languages downplaying it. And I just, I literally can't imagine. Like, remember when, what, what did they call it? Uh, I don't know. They had some funny name for it. But remember when Obama wore the tan suit? Oh, yeah. And like Fox News was just like acting like it was, it was like literally. Like, yeah, they were like literally acting like it was the end of the fucking or world. Or when Michelle Obama had no sleeves on her dress. Yeah. That was a scandal. And, and now like, Trump they, has a, a wife that's like posed naked. I mean, maybe. That doesn't bother them. It's like. Maybe it's just because like Fox News will jump up and down about anything. But I, I'm just like really shocked that like if there was one time. That you when, want CNN when, to actually be yes. accurate. Not even over. Like you can't overstate the fact. You can't make it any bigger than it actually is. Right. You is. don't even have to make anything up. Just tell this fucking story. And you know what I mean? And it's like, they're so calm about it. Like, I think actually Brian Stelter, who I'm not a big fan of Brian Stelter, he's kind of weird, but um, he actually used the word coup, I think, today. And I'm like, finally, someone is having the cojones to say, like, this is this. Well, is it kills me, coup. too, because the right will say things, and I can't quote if Fox News has said it, but I'd be shocked if they haven't, that they call people on the left socialists and communists and yeah, traitors right? and all these things, but, like, no one on the left... Uh, in a public eye will straight up call these people fascists right which so that, they should why the fuck aren't you right like so that brings me to our topic of the day which is i finally watched the documentary social dilemma which i have to give a shout out to carla and to rochelle because they were both like probably because i was in the midst of screaming about propaganda and they were like have you seen social dilemma i actually just watched it too like two weeks ago and I was like, no. And they're like, you have to, you have to. And so it's when Carla up. told me that, I like was like, okay, I'll watch it. And then I f- actually forgot. And then when I was ranting again about propaganda, Rochelle was like, have you seen this? And I was like, I have to write that down because Carla told me that and I forgot about it. So thank God, like I actually wrote it down and I watched it. And it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. I think the most terrifying thing about it, I don't want to spoil too much of it for people who want to watch it. I mean, it's not like a movie that um necessarily has a storyline that can be spoiled because it's like a documentary about um facebook social media Mm -hmm. media. and they interview all these people um who used to work for big platforms like instagram and facebook and google and all these things but out of all the statistics that they were quoting the most awful horrifying ones to me i guess because i have a niece um was that they talked about the suicide rates of young girls, girls mm-hmm. preteens and teenagers. And I'm pretty sure they said that the preteens were up like 170% or something. I mean, it was fucking outrageous. Right, yeah. The mm-hmm. amounts that it spiked. And I'm like, I can't even imagine. I think between like 11 and 14 year olds, it was like 151%. Yeah. It was something crazy. And I'm just like, I don't know. I can't like look at my niece now with an iPad in her hand and not just be horrified because I'm like, how do you, you can't keep them away from it. It's everywhere. Like, I hope that I hope that because my generation, you know, and my my brother also being in the same generation, we have more um, technological experience that he'll have a way to. But I mean, then there's also that, you know, shared parenting and you mm-hmm. can't control what they do when they're not there. I mean, it's just it's horrifying. And it's not that I think that things like Facebook shouldn't be allowed simply for that reason, because I get that you can't uh, bubble wrap the world just to save you know other people's kids like obviously their kids are their responsibility but holy shit but this is what i compare it this to. is all terrifying it's out of my control and it's like how do you like how do you sit your 12 year old down and be like listen you can't have this platform because it will destroy your mind i don't care if your friends have it like right and then i mean they said that the documentary that you know 
the people who make these products, these social medias, their kids don't use it. Right. Because they don't let them. Right. I mean, it's no surprise. And, you know, whenever I deleted Facebook back in 2017, um, the Cambridge Analytica scandal had finally broken out. And, you know, I tried to tell people the feelings that I had leading up to the 2016 election um, that... I felt like using Facebook that I was really getting assaulted with a lot of political stories that were designed. It felt to me like to persuade me to be further on the right. And um, it was subconscious. I didn't recognize it. And I'm a person who fully understands and, and studies and reads about propaganda a lot. So I'm thinking if I could be susceptible to that feeling um, of, I guess, you know, reading a story and having an emotional reaction to it before I've actually verified the facts behind the story. Like, how dangerous is that for people who aren't aware that there is a, an invisible hand behind it trying to manipulate your brain? So when I deleted it, I, you know, reached out to a lot of people and I tried to tell them, like, this is the reason I'm deleting it, you know, and it's very dangerous. No one cares. No, but it, yeah. we, we that's what gets me too. is that when I watched the social dilemma, I was like, man, I knew that it wasn't going to last very long because I will 100% admit that after watching that, I'm like, I am addicted to social media. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely addicted to it. We got introduced, uh, people in my generation. I mean, I'm sure we probably, I think it was the millennial generation. I know that uh, MySpace was a thing before I started using it, but not for very long. It re- MySpace had its highest point when kids my age started signing up for it and we were like 13 you know Mm -hmm. middle school but myspace um it wasn't anything like facebook it really was harmless it didn't even myspace didn't even have ads for the longest time Mm -hmm. it was just like you put your song on there and the only awful thing about it was that myspace forced you to rank your friends one through ten wow (laughs) and like you gotta you know you get mad at somebody and you put them as your number two and you're like yeah take that like that was probably a little toxic but other than that myspace really just wasn't Mm -hmm. it wasn't a problem and then when everybody made the switch to facebook i don't know man i feel like it started getting really bad probably my sophomore year of high school like 2010 Mm -hmm. it started going from like oh this is a social networking site to suddenly like this is becoming like you know what i mean they're trying to constantly sell you something like there's ads on everything and youtube too youtube used to be this excellent platform for a ton of like creative videos there's all kinds of artistic people on there like and then it kind of morphed at some point into being like a gateway into other people's worlds to suddenly like everybody's being paid to advertise something mm-hmm. everybody's trying to push an agenda right like it it became more like tv you right. know you see the the artwork right. that's like obey your tv right. youtube didn't used to be like that at the beginning and then it became that right and it's just weird to like grow up with it and watch the shift in it so the things that i remember in 2016 that were that was getting traction on my facebook page there was a video of students at Berkeley, which is a notoriously, um, I really shouldn't say notoriously, but it's well known for being extremely liberal, right? And there was this video of a group of students who had lined up and linked arms, and they were um, students of color, and they were prohibiting white students from walking through the line to go to class. And I was like, how is this solving the problem, you know? And it made me angry. And, you know, the, the thing that pops into your head is like, this is reverse racism. 
And that's like a white thing to say reverse racism because it is possible for people of color to have a bias against white people. But can't be racist. But because they don't that's not it's a power thing. It's yes, right, exactly. Yeah, so we, we have we've talked about this on the show before, but the, the easiest way to sum up why reverse racism isn't a thing is because to for it to be racism there has to be some implementation of power and in the structure, at least in the United States, people of color or non white people don't don't have that structure right. of power. They don't have so the levers of power that's in the government. Short so version can, of Yeah. So there can be people who have racial bias, you know, black people or Hispanic people who hate other like prejudice. Races. Prejudice is right. But they can't they can't systematically use the power against you, which is racism. So anyway, um, but I noticed that there were these feeds pop like stories like that that were popping up to try to evoke this feeling in me of well that's reverse racism. And that would be a really good uh, divisive tactic in West Virginia because a lot of people around here have what I would say is like latent racial bias where, you know, you don't have any feelings of anger in particular against, you know, you could be raised in an all-white area and not have exposure to people of color. But that doesn't mean you have a negative feeling about them. It just means you've not had a lot of contact with different cultures, communities, whatever. But, um, you know, it can, it can evoke a negative feeling when you feel like you're being cast as the bad guy. So I know a lot of people in West Virginia who don't think that they're racist. But the minute you suggest that they have uh, privilege... <laughs> Or, you know, you would show them a video like that where, look, now you're the person who's being discriminated against. It immediately evokes an emotional response to them. Right. So it's actually evoking feelings of racism. Because now, look, you're the minority. How does that feel, white person? You can't get through the kids <laughs> right. in line to go to school. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So that and then the another video that was, was getting heavy traction was there was a story which was being circulated about a town over in London where a lot of uh, Muslim immigrants had taken over this town and implemented their own version of Sharia law. So if you were over there and you're walking around, you're a female and you're walking around unaccompanied, they would supposedly harass you. Or if you didn't follow the Muslim dress code in their neighborhood, they would tell you that you had to leave because they, they practice Sharia law in their neighborhood. And so there was, there again is the idea of first, if you accept Muslims for who they are, the next thing you'll have is them trying to tell you how to live, right? So it's that fear that is in white people who have always had the privilege of power. Guess what's going to happen soon? You let you start making friends with these immigrants. They're going to come in here and then you're going to be the one getting pushed around. And it's specifically designed propaganda to make you fear and start hating minorities and immigrants. And so I was just like, wow, this is insane. And, you know, then after I saw the, the, um, the great hack, and I saw how that was the movie that came out in 2019. Well, actually, I think it came out in 2019, but there were already news stories about it before that, about how Cambridge Analytica was help, was working with Facebook and like all and got the data from Facebook to go ahead and start manipulating like people's feeds and Facebook to show them different things. And um, that, but that movie you have to see it as well because it talks about how the same group which incidentally Cambridge Analytica was made up of former British intelligence people. So we've talked about that on the show too, how these former intelligence people, former spies 
they retire and then they go into private practice with what they know helping politicians spy on other politicians and corporate people spy on other corporate people. And, um, of course, then you throw Google into the mix who literally knows everything about everything about everyone. Um, And it's a really dangerous combination. And I really feel like the social dilemma shows you how all of that is working together to create these narratives that are being repeated over and over and over again. So when you look at like the anti-mask thing, we thought that was a uniquely American phenomenon. It seemed to be in the very beginning um, to be like, oh, well, that's an infringement on our freedom and all this stuff. But then I noticed that the same thing was happening in the UK and then the same thing was happening in Germany. And it kind of spread around the world that if you accepted wearing a mask, you were being, um, you know, controlled by communists. I mean, it's completely bizarre. But they realized when they tested it out, when I say they, I mean these dark forces that are behind social media. When they test these things out and they figure out what gets a reaction out of people, that's how they develop the narrative. That's how they figure out what's going to push your buttons. And so the whole anti-mask thing, that was created. That was a totally 100% manufactured. Yeah, let's take something that is uh, a minor inconvenience to most people. Who, without this introduction to this propaganda for this whole anti-mask movement, those people probably would have just worn one and just been like, this is stupid. But they would have done it anyway. You know what I mean? And like... I've, I've read a lot of studies. I've had a couple people, couple people that have been arguing with me about these masks. And the whole thing about it is, is they're like, oh, well, it doesn't, you know, protect you from getting coronavirus. And I'm like, okay, but that's not the point of wearing them. The point of wearing them is that if you have it, it's less of a chance that you will spread right. it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sick. Okay, well, we know that people who have coronavirus can go like 10 days where they're sick and infectious to other people, but they're not showing any symptoms. Right. So, yes, we're asking everyone to wear a mask because we don't know who's infectious and who isn't. It's not a hard concept to understand, but I don't know why when these anti-mask topics come up, that isn't reiterated. Because through having these conversations with people and I explain that, well, it's just in case you're infectious and not showing symptoms. Mm Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, I guess that makes more sense. And I'm like, exactly. Okay, so. But the narrative did get more solidified over time. Well, yeah, in the beginning, I, I mean, and that's and that's another thing, too. We were actually just talking about this in my biology classes. That one of the questions we had on this coronavirus project that we're doing, uh, because the, the head of our the bio department was like, well, we want to take this moment and we'll learn from it, was, you know, well, what do you think about Dr. Fauci? And do you think that somebody who changes their, their advice so much can be trusted? And I'm like, yes, this is literally the basis of learning. This is the basis of science. It's kind we, of a loaded have, question. Too. It is a loaded question. <laughs> and I'm like, you're, you're feeling, you're feeling us out here seeing, seeing if we've actually learned anything because it's like, to be quite honest, when they started talking about the coronavirus vaccine, I was like, fuck that. Let some other people be some test subjects first. Like, I don't want to get that thing. Like, no way. But after this chapter and us learning about exactly what is in the vaccine, how it interacts with the cells in your body and, um, I mean, without going into too much technical detail, basically just how it works. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is really no different than any other vaccine that they developed, except for uh, it's like they base it off of mRNA, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the other side of DNA. And that's not like, it's not the 
uh, go-to method, I guess. It's not. It's it's a it's a secondary method that isn't uh, used all of the time. But it more and more and more. I mean, for the past probably ten years, it's becoming more and more uh, for lots of reasons. But there's nothing about this vaccine that's like you know crazy or like scary or dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's it's really just your standard vaccine. It just took them you know, trials take a long time. Mm-hmm. But after learning all that, I was like, wow, you know, this is the power of knowledge because mm-hmm. no, I'm not afraid of it anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I mean, there there are legitimate reasons for people to be concerned about you know new things that are pushed out there. I mean, we most people know about the thalidomide and how that was a wonder drug. Um, back in the 50s for women who had morning sickness and and, and it wasn't uh, proper I mean they didn't understand that there were going to be some side effects so that you had children born with um, you know birth defects because of the thalidomide and you know there have been other mistakes that I mean and not just mistakes there have been corporate things like uh, you know the dark waters we did episode on the poisoning of america like there's chemical companies that literally know they're poisoning you but they're making a profit so they don't care so i get the mistrust i get it yeah absolutely i mean it should definitely be you questioned should question everything yeah but the problem is that when what's happening with these narratives they're being pushed out there and pushed out there and pushed out there and reinforced and reinforced and reinforced is that people um, get so ingrained in wanting to believe one thing or the other that they won't stop and just say, wait a second, maybe I should stop and think about the other side for a minute. Um, Plus, I honestly don't think that there's really any game one way or another for them to do something to the coronavirus vaccine um, purposely. And I know people have been trying to spread that rumor, like they're going to put something in the vaccine, which, I mean, who wins from that? This is a global pandemic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This isn't just an American government thing. Like, this is the whole world. You know, people are dying everywhere. And... This is, this is, it affects everyone. You know what I mean? Even, even the richest of rich people in our country, the 1%, they can't avoid it either. There's still mm-hmm. somebody, you know, bringing their groceries or whatever. You know what I mean? They, they're affected. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anybody wants this to continue. There's really no benefit for this to continue for anyone. Right. And if you, and if you look at a lot of the conspiracy theories out there about a lot of this stuff, you got to ask yourself that same question. Like who benefits from me believing this side or believing that side? Because, you know, ever since I've, I've watched The Social Dilemma, which was probably three days ago, <laughs> I've used my Twitter for almost nothing else than to go on there and find people who are extremely ingrained in a thought pattern and tell them, please watch this video. I must have sent that message 200 times already. I'm just trying to tell people because it's so easy to, you know, and especially in the wake of Biden's win now, I see a lot of people on social media saying oh look at these dumb trumpers or whatever and it's like well first of all biden did get the largest number of votes in history but trump got the second largest number of votes. right yeah this cockiness is not helping us because in four years we have to do this all over again exactly exactly and and none of us gains anything from continuing to hate each other nobody gains anything from that Um, and it's like i get that because Except the global corp- corporatists right. who are designing these narratives <laughs> to make us hate each other. And I, I get the argument because I know a lot of people on the left, and don't get me wrong, I've definitely said shit like this and, and, and felt this, but it's like one of those passing things, like when you say something when you're angry and then you reflect on it and you're like, no, this isn't just isn't, you know, I did say that, but I don't mean it. You know what I mean? I, I This is how I feel about the Trump people when Trump won went 
on an absolute tangent of just screaming in people's faces, fuck your feelings, we want to make liberals cry. Like, they were absolutely not, no, no couth about any of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Their message wasn't to educate anyone. They weren't, no, there was none of that. It was, there just, was, it was just uh, vengefulness. Just it was. Know. And I, I know that people on the left are so fucking tired of hearing that we have to be better than that. But there's just there is there is no other option. You know and what I mean? We're all human. We've done it on the show. We've talked. Oh, about we have. We've we fucking bashed and bashed and bashed. We call, we've called Trump people a, the Trump cult. Which I mean, don't get me wrong. That's not even meant to be offensive. I do think that some of those people are so in a belief with him that it is cult like. But I don't mean for it to come off as insulting, as I know sometimes it probably does out of my own frustrations because we're just human people. Right. So here's the thing. You know, if you watch The Social Dilemma, it does put it in the perspective of, you know, people like Kyle Rittenhouse, even though he deserves to be punished for what he did, we have to look at him and understand that this young man is a victim of mind control. He was very heavy user of social media. And, you know, the narrative of pro-police... Um, police are being attacked by the by Antifa. Cities are being burned to the ground. There's no one to help us. Good people who've worked all their lives for their businesses. And Fox News was a big, big pusher of all this stuff. Um, yeah, there were protests that got out of hand. Yeah, there were things that got set on fire. Yes, there was violence. But when you make that into something you're selling, to get people to be to make people into extremists so they'll be so they'll keep buying your product which is your news channel that's fucking sick and this kid was a victim of being in a silo to where he went to that he purposely went to that protest area thinking he's going to be a hero see but that's the problem with that is i mean you're right he was a victim of propaganda and someone that young i mean i get he's 17 he's almost an adult but I remember what it was like to be 17. You know what I mean? I'm only 25. It wasn't that long ago for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it's not that I'm more intelligent now, but the emotional intelligence I have much more control over. Mm-hmm. And kids just don't have that. They just don't have that at that age. I don't think they have, and especially, you know, if he is in a household with two parents who are also pushing that narrative because now you have somebody you trust well, reinforcing honestly, it. I've never heard anyone talk about his dad. No, no gonna, one. No one is. I don't know if, if his dad is in the home or what's going on. His mom is extremely vocal and she's been on Fox News and, you know, claiming her son is not a racist and she's going to sue people. She's going to take Biden down because she, he used her son in the commercial. So you can kind of see, like, the influences on this young yeah. man. I mean, he's... He, I'm not saying we should, you know, absolve him of all his responsibility. But what I'm saying is we have to understand the dangerousness of these narratives that are being repeated over and over and over and over again. Well, and you know, this is a crazy, crazy thought. And I'm not saying I believe this. But I remember hearing people talk about when I was probably in high school, maybe middle school. I remember that someone who was very conservative in my family said, you know, Someone had said to them, well, you know, some of the people that they're killing in the Middle East, you know, are, are kids, you know, teenagers, and they're, they're innocent, blah, 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 blah. And the other person said back to them, well, it doesn't matter because they're just going to grow up to be terrorists. And I thought, that always stuck with me because I think about it and I'm like, that's so fucked up. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
you get a 17 year old that lives in that environment and is being trained to basically hate America and kill Americans, maybe they're not wrong. And it's Mm -hmm. like, does it make it any right to execute that person? Like, I mean, it's just, it's such a fucked up way to think about it. But when, I mean, obviously in the moral thought of it, you're like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't immediately assume Mm -hmm. that just because this person has been surrounded by this propaganda that they're going to grow up and be dangerous. Even though we see time and time again that that shit does happen. Well, you and know. And what do you do about after that? After 9-11, if, you know, I know you were pretty young when 9-11 happened. But after 9-11, there was this constant drumbeat on the right wing, especially. For, um, because, you know, the liberals were kind of like, well, listen, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Muslim Americans who are peaceful people who don't bother. Like, they're being you know, discriminated against and subject to, like, hate violence because of 9-11, and they have nothing to do with it. They don't advocate for violent extremism. And so, but the right wing was constantly saying, well, it's the job of these so-called moderate Muslims to condemn the extremists. They need to come out and be vocal, and they need to vocally denounce the extremists. I mean, it was almost like either, either you guys speak up and start saying waving a flag and saying like you hate uh other muslims or we're gonna put you in a um the japanese internment right internment camp you know what i'm saying like prove to us that you're not the same kind of muslim but now here we have violent right-wing extremists terrorist cells in our country that look like us that look like us and you have the gop making excuses for, endorsing, applauding, making heroes and martyrs out of them, that is ridiculous. Why yeah, aren't they I, being called see, out to say, you know what, we understand you're conservative, but are you advocating for the kidnapping? So one of the things I wanted to bring up this week is that, you know, one of the uh, terrorists involved in the plotting to kidnap Governor Whitmer up in Michigan went to court to try and get bond, to bond out of jail until his, his trial. Now, first of all, <laughs> I like to see a Muslim terror cell go to court and ask to be yeah, bonded out. That's exactly. A, that would be a fucking joke. So he goes to court, and the FBI, during that proceeding, released additional details about this plot. So originally the news reported that they were going to kidnap her at her vacation home and they were going to take her to Wisconsin and have a, quote, trial according to their militia rules to determine if she was a tyrant, which they had already predetermined that she was a tyrant, and they were going to execute her, okay? The FBI agent revealed in this bail hearing that the original plan was that these militia members were going to go armed to the uh, Capitol in Michigan, take everyone at the Capitol hostage, have a week-long televised trial of all of the tyrants, and public executions of all of them. That was their original plan. In America. In America. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, can we say white privilege again, please? Like, how is how is how are we not freaking out about this this plot? This was this was straight up terrorism. They bought explosives, they built explosives, they tested explosives, 
this was an ongoing months-long investigation. It started in June, and I believe they were arrested in October. And they had an, an, the FBI had an informant that was working inside of this terror cell. They have hours and hours and hours of audio tapes of text messages all like this is not this was not like we were joking. This was a legit terror cell. And, you know, they were repeating a lot of these same narratives that are being pushed about the mask mandate. That's what it started over. One of the guys said, like, imagine planning an execution on television. Right. Because you were told to wear a mask. Remember when ISIS was beheading people and yes. doing videos of it? And it was like. Like literally, that's what I'm saying. They're like, that's what they're, they're talking about. They're learning. They're learning from terrorists how to be terrorists. Like, So one of the things that is really shocking when, you know, you get into these narratives is that they used to be in the dark corners of the Internet. <laughs> I mean, but now they're coming out and they're becoming mainstream. And the more mainstream they get, the less, uh, the more desensitized we are to it, the less shocked we are by it, right? So the whole leading up to the election uh, thing, you had, you know, Trump saying there was going to be cheating, the ballots were going to be. Uh, you know, there was going to be fraud with the mail-in ballots. He was constantly on the ballots, the ballots, the ballots. So I feel like the Republican Party utilized um, the fact that there was a pandemic and they knew that a lot of Democrats were going to mail their ballots in, right? So they formulated this plan. In addition to voter suppression at the polls with the eight, nine hour, 10 hour wait to vote in some heavily democratic areas, they decided they were going to slow down the mail service, which there was a very carefully orchestrated effort to slow down the mail-in ballots and make them late. They tried to make it look like it was just a natural thing that happened, that all these ballots for Biden just happened to come in too late. No, it wasn't. This was orchestrated. There's enough evidence of that now to say that definitively. And I think DeJoy is going to be deposed in the matter before Congress to explain what he was what he was doing. Um, so there was that that whole thing. And then when election night happened, you know, there were all these conspiracy theories thrown out there. It was almost like, let's throw all the spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. There was people were bringing in... Um, tons of ballots in bins that were late they were backdating them uh they were running blank ballots through the machines multiple times so basically they were accusing individuals now when you hear someone say they gotta remember they is someone they are yeah they are actual people yeah these aren't mysterious ghost figures in a in a shadowy thing on a facebook or on laura ingram <laughs> These are real individuals you are accusing of committing a crime, right? So when Giuliani started this whole narrative about the fraud, I was like, I mean, he supposedly got sworn affidavits. Like, he supposedly got, I mean, actual proof, right? So it goes to court, and, you know, as it turns out, 
and eventually I hope to get all of the transcripts. I don't know if you have access to the system, but there's a system where legally you can legal people that work in the law can go in and get the actual transcripts. Um, but he didn't have squat. He went into court. With and these- this is the thing, too, is that when are we going to start holding that kind of shit? Those kind of people responsible for getting on television and making false statements like I mean, we already know that, like, if I get on Fox News tomorrow and say, you know, um, some made up lie about Donald Trump, he'll sue me and right. he'll probably sue Fox News. So they have like a reason right. to not air that shit. Right. When are we when are we going to start holding people like that accountable? So that's my that was I mean, you're, you're free to say what you want. But if it, I mean, it's the same as inciting a riot. Right. And I say that about Trump, too, when he got up there and was just I mean, all over his Twitter, just blatantly like, we'll take America back. And this is all a sham about, you know, all right. the shit he's saying. If this results in real world violence, he should be held accountable for that. Right. So inciting a vi- inciting a violent act is pretty difficult to under freedom of speech, like it, it, it's it's a pretty heavy burden to show that you specifically cause the actions of another person. It and it's like done, maybe you can't criminally try these people, but then okay, who gave them the platform to do that? Right. And then come so, back to Twitter and be like, you allowed false statements to be posted, and we're going to sue you for a monetary amount because right. that's the only way to get anything done in America is to hit people in the fucking pockets. Right. So that was the second half of the show. I wanted to talk about defamation cases because. You work in a law office and you know that if you say something that is patently untrue and you know it to be true and you maliciously say it against somebody and it causes them financial damage, you can sue them for defamation, okay? Now, defamation laws vary from state to state. But one of the reasons why I started to actually look into some of Giuliani's claims were because... These were serious allegations he was making against people. And I think that people like my parents who were believing what Giuliani was saying on Fox News were believing it because they're like, there's no way he would get up there and say this if, if he knows he can get in trouble for saying it, right? But the problem is lying has become so acceptable. And as far as defamation cases go, from state to state, from platform to platform, from judge to judge, it's a toss-up. So the first defamation case I really followed along was with Jesse Ventura, if you remember, who was the governor of Minnesota and was a professional wrestler, a Navy SEAL, this conspiracy the, uh, theorist. Chris Kyle thing? Right. Yeah. So Chris Kyle, who was the American sniper, wrote a book. And one of the scenes in the book, he claimed that he was in a bar and this scruffy character, he only called him scruffy in the book. Um, said that American soldiers, maybe we, we deserve to lose some soldiers in Iraq because if we, uh, maybe if we had to bring, basically bring home a couple dead of our own, we would get out of that, blah, 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 blah. Something really horrendous to that effect. And um, like I said, he didn't name who the person was. But during his book tour, he went on all these conservative radio shows. And in one of the shows, um, I don't know, was it? I don't know the name of the show. It was like some like Amos and Andy or Otis and something. I mean, it was some weird, like two guys. And um, on that show, they were like, oh, come on, tell us who Scruffy was. Because according to Chris Kyle, he knocked Scruffy, punched him in the face and knocked him on his ass. And um, so I love it. It just reminds me of that Facebook tag group that people use. It's like that so didn't happen that it unhappened things that actually did happen. <laughs> right. So 
he names Jesse Ventura on this radio show. Mistake, motherfucker. That was a fucking mistake. Now, mind you, up until this point, Jesse Ventura had been a frequent Fox News uh, host. He was actually on Fox News probably more than CNN because Fox News plays a little bit faster and looser with their guests. They ha- they'll have some real kooks on there sometimes. And Jesse Ventura, because he had the show Conspiracy Theory, um, and if you've ever read any of his books, one of them is 63 Things the Government Doesn't Want You to Know. And as soon as I saw the 63, I'm like, oh, that was because of Kennedy. He was assassinated in 1963. And that, that is the reason why he, he picked the number 63. But basically, the book is a historical book. It's not a conspiracy theory book. It talks about multiple conspiracies throughout history that happened. So Jesse Ventura is sometimes eccentric, but I don't think the guy's a kook. In any event, Fox News turned on Jesse Ventura like a fucking dime. He was a villain all of a sudden because now you had this SEAL team, you know, military tough guy talking about being a sniper and he basically told a big, giant, fucking fat lie to sell his lame book. And Fox News at the time was helping Chris Kyle to prop this book. So when Jesse Ventura was like, yeah, that's a lie, um, he continued to say it was true and they ended up in court over the matter. Now, to win a defamation case, you have to prove that what the person is saying about you is unequivocally false. You have to prove it's not true. If you can't prove it's not true doesn't matter how much damage came from it you have to prove it's not true now that's that's in most some states it varies but so at the time that chris kyle was at this bar jesse ventura had proof that he was not in that bar so it was proven 100 percent, a thousand percent a fucking lie and i kind of have a feeling like this guy told a lot of tall tales and nobody wanted to call him on it because he was a veteran but in any event yeah, I feel like there's also an awful lot of that shit that happens. And yeah. Again, no one wants to say anything because if you say, Because you're like, waving a flag. Right. If you attack him, you're attacking Fucking a veteran. Fucking American. Like, veterans are, like, not human beings. Like, yes, p- there can be shitty veterans, too. Like, right. there's shitty people in every profession. But anyway, so Jesse Ventura won $1.8 million. Now, I don't know if you know what happened to Chris Kyle, but he took, a, he took soldiers out onto the shooting range to help them get over PTSD. I, I can't imagine how that was good therapy. But he would take them out to the shooting range. And one of the guys he took to the shooting range fucking shot and killed him. Shocker. So, um... Was that, it his other pastime going to the zoo and climbing in the lion cage and rolling around in piles of meat? I it's, never I mean, heard not, that one. It sounds like it lines up, though, with it his might hobbies. Be. If I ever write a book about him, maybe I'll throw that in there. But anyway, so... <laughs> So we'll just call him Kyle Chris. We'll just call him Scruffy. <laughs> we'll just call him Lion Chew Toy. But anyway, yes. so he got shot and killed. Very tragic. And his wife, now a widow, um, had to part with that money. And Fox News and all these right-wingers pissed and moaned about how terrible it was of Jesse Ventura to take this $1.8 million off of poor widow of a veteran. And I'm like, listen, this guy was a piece of shit. Who, let's not forget, Jesse Ventura is a Vietnam veteran. Right, yeah, so you're shitting on one veteran. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't understand their logic at all. I mean, the same thing, too, when people who are super Trumpers were, like, all about him bashing McCain. And I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. Like, right. John McCain, what, what are you even talking about? Like, right. how, how are you, 
It makes zero sense at all. Trump, but you know why? Trump never even he he literally avoided the military, and John McCain was like all American hero, and you're shitting on him for to because support it, Trump because this is what it is. When it comes to the narrative, they pick who the heroes are, and Fox News picked Jesse Ventura when he served their purposes. And then they picked Chris Kyle because he was a tough, young, macho, handsome guy, whatever, sniper, tough guy, whatever they wanted to sell. And Jesse Ventura had the audacity to say, yeah, that guy's lying on me. So he was the villain because Chris Kyle was... Because he defended himself. Because Chris Kyle was the product and the narrative that Fox News was selling at the time. So in any event, he did win that lawsuit. Good for Jesse Ventura. Now, the next one was Alex Jones' lawsuit. I mean, there's was a, this about the uh, the shooting, the Sandy Hook shooting? Yes. Okay. There's a lot of defamation cases. When I say the next one, the next one that I followed along with. So Alex Jones was going on his YouTube channel, and a, I guess he had probably had some radio stations too that he was on Sirius or probably something. But anyways, he was got on to the Sandy Hook shooting saying that it never happened, that these parents were profiting off of this, imaginary deaths of their children, like all kind of inflammatory, crazy, insane shit was telling his listeners to go investigate. And this is another thing they do, too. They try to enlist citizen journalism, which I'm all about citizen journalism. But what you are is you're a coward because you're sending people out to do stuff that they're going to get in trouble for because you know where the line is and they don't. So you're going to sacrifice them and let them go do some crazy shit in your name. So these people went out and harassed and harassed and harassed the Sandy Hook parents until they had to move. They had death threats. Now, I remember having questions about the Sandy Hook shooting. I remember thinking... Which isn't crazy because it's not... That's not crazy. We you know should question everything. America has, has done false flag shit before, so it's not crazy to question it. But to do research on it is different than listening to Alex Jones and then harassing someone whose toddler was just murdered while they were at school. So, yeah. Like, holy shit. I mean, at least take the gravity of the situation into account... As you are investigating it. Now, you know, some of the information that was withheld in that case did make people who had conspiracy theories, it amped them up even more because they were like, why is this information being held back when it was never held back before? You know, I mean, I get it. But at the same time, you have to maintain your sense of, of, of sanity. Yeah, tread lightly. I mean. So in any event, Alex Jones got sued by these people because it was literally the only way. This was like in 2000. He, they were awarded it in 2018, I believe. I'm pretty sure they banned him from YouTube as they well. They did ban him from YouTube, but he and he got eventually kicked off Twitter. Now, what happened after that? So that was like in 2018 or 2019. And multiple parents sued him. One of the cases he was forced to pay 100000 I think in another case... Uh, one of the parents got a $400,000 judgment against him because they had to move so many times because of harassment. So now what Alex Jones's lawyer tried to argue in court to get him off of the defamation was a term called rhetorical exaggeration, which is a eloquent way of saying a fucking lie. You fucking lied. You said stuff you knew wasn't true. But rhetorical is like when you ask a question, but you don't really want an answer. You're not really looking for an answer. Right. So exaggeration means, so he was just saying, well, why did they do this? Why did they do that? 
why did he so posing a bunch of questions but no what he did was actually fucking lie and actually sent people out to harass these people so he had to pay up okay so now when you asked about mainstream media so newspapers have to be extremely careful that's why but people don't read newspapers anymore right <laughs> nobody reads newspapers anymore people get their news from television and from the internet they don't they don't read the new york times i mean maybe online whatever but so print media is kind of slowly been slipping out of the as, as we go more to social media so tucker carlson got sued because a woman who had an affair with president trump claimed that he paid her off or some uh you know she, she claims that she had a relationship with president trump and he was trying to cover it up Tucker Carlson got on his show and said that um, she was paid by somebody to, to say what she said. So she took him to court, and we covered this in one other episode where a, a judge who was recently appointed, who Trump had nominated twice, was the judge that overheard the case, said that um, what Tucker Carlson did wasn't defamatory. It was rhetorical exaggeration right so he had to pay nothing he had no consequence for literally getting on a major cable news show to millions of viewers and straight up lying he got away with it so you know who OANN is I'm not familiar one American news network it's now Trump's favorite now that he hates Fox News because someone dared to question something he said he's he's gone further to the right OANN is hardcore right-wing media. So Rachel Maddow, who some of you may know, is on MSNBC. She has a nighttime show, kind of like Tucker's show. So she accused an OANN reporter of being paid, paid propagandist, paid by the Russian government. Okay? She said OANN is straight up paid for Russian propaganda. So OANN sued Rachel Maddow for defamation <laughs> because they said, that's a lie. The owner of OANN says it's based in California and it's not owned by any subsidiary of the Russian government. It does not get any money from the Russian government. So they sued Rachel Maddow for defamation. So one reporter at OANN is, has also does freelance work for Sputnik, which is a Russian media outlet. So you got one reporter who writes articles and submits them to Sputnik and sometimes gets paid and sometimes doesn't, they don't take up his articles, whatever. That doesn't make OANN Russian paid for propaganda. So Rachel Maddow fucking lied. So what happened when that went to court? Well, it was determined that she didn't lie. She committed rhetorical exaggeration. So what I'm trying to tell you is Alex Jones, who was never, never had the viewing audience of Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson, had to pay up because he fucking lied. But you've got major cable news out outlets playing fast and loose and telling lies and getting away with it because they're not being held accountable for defamation. So when Dominion Software, okay, after all of the ballot business about um you know Giuliani went to court I think 12 times got kicked out of court 11 of the 12 times for no evidence of what he was saying he had 
Then they brought in this Sidney Powell. Now, Sidney Powell is um, one of Trump's attorneys fighting these lawsuits now. She joined Giuliani a little bit late in the game. But um, she's a very aggressive lawyer. She comes off as a little bit of a kook. But she became a hardcore right-winger because she used to be a prosecutor, and she helped to prosecute the Enron scandal. If you remember, Enron was a company that was doing all kind of shady business. They got caught shredding a bunch of documents at the end as they were closing up shop. It was a big, huge corporate. It was a, one of the biggest corporate scandals in America up until that point. And she helped to prosecute them. Now, she says in the course of prosecuting them, she saw a lot of... Um, you know, prosecutors step over the line and do things that she felt was unethical. So she wrote a book about it, and then she started to switch to the other side. And my point is, I could go into court and be a prosecutor or a defense attorney. It all depends on what the evidence shows and whether I believe you or not. I don't understand how people who get so bent out of shape because there's prosecutors that do things that are wrong, that they will go and defend a mass murderer and, and try to paint them as the most innocent person in the world. I guess to pay penance for being involved with prosecutors who acted unethically. So you go to the other side and act unethically. So that's who Sidney Powell is. She, but she is a hardcore right winger. And um, so she said she had these stacks and stacks of affidavit that they were going to go to court. They were going to prove all these. This There was all kind of massive voter fraud. And they started talking about a company called Dominion. Dominion makes voting machines that are used all across the United States. They're also used in areas where Trump heavily won. Um, one of the major big counties in Utah was had Dominion voting machines, but they're not asking for an audit of that county, strangely enough. And um, so Giuliani and um, Sidney Powell were on Fox News saying that Dominion was... A company that was invent that was um, you know brought into existence by Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. <laughs> now, if you know anything about white right wing rhetoric, all you have to do is say Venezuela, and a conservative is going to get triggered. Oh, I know. I it's know. just a trigger. It, it just like it's like socialist, or communist, can't. Marxist, Venezuela. Like you could just say certain words and conservative. It's like that just, episode of Family Guy where Lois is running for mayor or something. And she gets up on the stand at the, she's against her opponent and they're like speaking. She keeps trying to explain like over and over. She's running against Adam West, you know, like Batman. who is actually Adam West. And he plays Adam West as himself in the show, but he's the mayor. Okay. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Um, which I'm sure everybody knows. But um, so she gets up there and she's trying to explain like, well, this is what we're going to do to make the school system better. And all the people are like, mm, mm, you know, whatever. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and she's like, Brian, I don't understand. Like, why aren't they responding? I'm giving legitimate arguments. And he's like, you need to dumb it down. Like, make so she gets up there and she's like, 9-11 was bad. And they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, nine. And they're like, oh. she's like, 11. And they just start like clapping. And I'm yeah. like, holy shit. <laughs> I fucking hate Seth MacFarlane for being so accurate. For painfully. being so right. <laughs> yes. And that's so I feel like in the lead up to the election this time it was like all of these things trump was saying and like the project veritas bullshit saying they had said they had videos of ballots that were shredded that's been disproven the guy that came up with uh you know in pennsylvania that said he was worked at the post office they were backdating the ballots 
He went under uh, investigation, got interviewed by investigators, flipped his story, changed his story. So like time after time after time, when they got into a courtroom where their evidence was scrutinized, the shit fell apart because it's propaganda, okay? It's straight up propaganda. And I tried to tell my dad, because me and him argue a lot about shit politically. And I was, he's like, they got proof. And I said, okay, well, I want it to go to court, dad, because I want to see the proof. That's all I'm saying is if there's proof, let's see the proof. Proof's in the pudding. The proof's in the pudding. But that's the problem with this, you know, propaganda machine in our country is that they know it's going to fall apart because they know it's not true. But it doesn't matter. But it winds people up. Yeah, that's the goal. And they get it done. It doesn't matter how many times you disprove it. Because, I mean, we have a fucking president that whenever he's confronted with things that like no that's just not true sir that's just sir that's just not i mean no it's just not true and he says fake news so i mean then they have their out too it doesn't matter how much evidence you produce to be like listen i'm sorry that you were led to believe that that's true but it's not true and here's the proof they can just write it off it's you're manipulate you're a sheep fake news no right. no fucking it's not a reality anymore i, I mean don't and know we're how. all subject we're all subject to manipulation right it's not like i haven't said before that i'm subject to emotional stories so i have to stop myself and go wait a second let me see if this makes sense so with giuliani and Sidney powell the reason i actually went in and looked into the dominion software and also a smartmatic which is a company that the one that was involved in venezuela was smartmatic they have nothing to do with dominion it's two separate companies it's crazy that they're conflating them together but anyway i actually went and tried to look up this stuff because you know why they were saying the name of a company and accusing them of something in public i'm like dude are you not afraid you're going to get fucking sued for defamation by oh, Dominion? Oh. And this is another problem that's been created, too, is th- with the Trump uh, regime and all of his cronies, like Giuliani, is that they've been able to spit their bullshit with no consequences exactly. for the past four years, and they think they're untouchable. And no one in American politics, regardless of what side they're on, should ever feel like they're fucking untouchable. Right. And I hope to God, and I know that we all know that when people get into office, they never they never try to criminally prosecute the people before them because it's just not what we do in America. I mean, Trump screamed locker up and even his people were like, yeah, we need to like move on from that. We, we can't do that. But he, it's not, it's not, Biden's not going to try to prosecute Trump for the shit he did. No. But other people are right. because he did a lot of fucking damage. And like, I can't wait for him to have to go to court for these things because you're no longer president and you can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. And for all that shit to just be publicized. And follow him around and prove that, like, look, there are fucking consequences for your actions. Right. You weren't going to be president. You could, you, you're, if your goal was to be dictator so you never had to face this shit, it failed. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to hold you accountable for the shit that you did. But you can't really blame Trump whenever you have Bush who got away with getting us into a war that was based on total bullshit. He knew it was total bullshit. And went Absolutely. To war in Iraq, and that's still going on. The, absolutely and which is that was the Nothing. big thing too is that when people were all over social media freaking out like um that ellen was at a ball game sitting next to george bush mm-hmm. ellen degeneres and they were like see it's okay for people for different political parties she's gay and he's a republican and they're buddies and blah blah blah, blah. and i was like first of all this shit isn't in the same reality because they're elites mm-hmm. so yes they all coexist together because they're all fucking elites like real problems don't matter to them which mm-hmm. is they don't they don't care okay and secondly, it's a problem because that man should be in fucking prison, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not cool now that just because he never got held accountable for his actions. That's like saying that 
if someone's a rapist just because they never go to prison, we should just be friends with them again because, like, no, fuck, if you know that guy's a fucking rapist, it doesn't matter if he got prosecuted or not. He's still a bad person. Right. So the whole argument for that and people defending Ellen and saying, oh, this is fine, fuck that, dude. No, fuck that. Fuck George Bush. Mm. Like, I-, I wish that will and I- they'll never teach it in school because this is just another, another part of America that we never want to tell the truth about anything. We only want to tell what looks good. Mm-hmm. Through all the shit that we learned and 9-11 happening in my lifetime and how much we talked about it, I was in like kindergarten when it happened. So my entire career in school, we talked about 9-11 in depth. Mm-hmm. Never once did I learn any of the shit that actually happened mm-hmm. and about how unsubstantiated WMD was. Mm-hmm. And all of, you never learn any of that shit because we don't want to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anybody... That, I think that's the first step in America. We have to start telling the truth mm-hmm. because if we bring people up on the facts, I feel like if at that moment in time when that information came out, the, the weapons of mass destruction did not have significant ev- evidence. If we would have started teaching that then, then my entire generation would be like, never again. We will never let people like Bush do th- shit like this and his administration and everyone will be held accountable. But, right. but they won't do that because they don't want accountability. Well, we still have to see whether or not um, Dominion Software or Dominion voting machines will sue Giuliani. And, you know, I feel like I actually put on their Twitter page. I was like, so are you going to They should sue just out of him? principle. Because if you don't, it's almost like you're lending credence to what they're saying. If you don't call liars out, it's like you're lending credence to the bullshit that they're saying. And as far as these judges saying it's a rhetorical exaggeration, I mean, maybe in the case of Alex Jones, they looked at the actual, like, how much horrific, you know, things came out for the people, for the victims of Alex Jones, how much in comparison to, you know, OANN getting their butt hurt because Rachel Maddow said something bad about them. Now, one of the most prolific lawsuit bringers is Devin Nunes. He's a GOP guy, and he sues everybody he can think of for defamation and it's funny because he lives in california he's a california representative in california and several of the people that he sued are in california but he sues them in virginia remember when you were telling me about johnny depp right yes and i told you well that doesn't surprise me he sued in virginia because virginia has more lax defamation laws the thing is though most of devin Nunes's that i've read about got thrown out of court because of venue because like why are you bringing in virginia everybody knows like you're shopping for a system that's going to give you what right. you want like exactly that's it's so, so fucking blatantly obvious so you can have abuse of defamation but in the case of dominion they need to sue giuliani and all of these people that were election workers that giuliani defamed that he said were cheating were destroying democracy by literally counting but fa- did he name them well, according to him, he has signed affidavits of people saying they witnessed other people doing it. Now, if they didn't name the people they witnessed doing it... Then it's all nonsense. It would be pretty hard to say you're the person that they're talking about. And that's what I'm saying, too. I mean, it's 2020. Everybody has cell phones. It's like, how many videos have you seen of, you know, these racists that get blown up because they get in somebody's face and they're like, no, you can't come in this building because I don't think you live here. And like shit like that. We see them all the time. Mm-hmm. And we make these names for them, and it's funny on the internet. But it just goes to show how easy it is to whip out your phone and record somebody so right. you can hold them accountable. And it's just crazy to me that every time these Republicans bring this up, it, it's like they produce a Sasquatch video. Like it's some <laughs> shaky, you don't know what location they're in or what the date is or when it was recorded or who recorded it. And that's like all they can come up with. I'm like, you're telling me that you have sworn affidavits from people. And at that moment, 
that they couldn't, first of all, uh, if I exp- saw something like that, I would immediately be on the DNC, have, you know, call on the phone with them, Calling like, them right away. document this right now. I'm on the phone. I'm here. This is the date. This is the time. These are the people, you know, I, I would right. be documenting all this. Sh- you're telling me you think these people are credible witnesses, but they didn't think to document literally anything. And they didn't come out until after they figured out what the vote total was. Right. I mean, it's just all fucking bullshit. Yeah. So, um, that's pretty much all I had was just pretty much about, like, please watch Social Dilemma. Please tell everybody you know to watch Social Dilemma. And if they can. It will terrify you. The great hack. Because, you know, what's it's not just about Trump. You mean Trump's gone. But right-wing extremists, terrorist cells are being created all over the country right now. And when Trump finally does have to turn over the keys to the White House, some stuff's going to happen. These people are radicalized now. But. You know, if it's your family member, if it's like it's with my parents who are, you know, who Fox News devotees day in and day out, I send them a copy of the video. Um, hopefully they'll watch it and realize that maybe they've been misled a little bit and to check their sources a little bit more. I hope that the exuberant devotion to Trump once he's gone will give people some breathing room to kind of sit back and say, OK, now I don't have to prove I'm being loyal let me just look at each individual situation. And and for sure, we're going to do that with Biden. Yeah, I hate the comment that Republicans keep making. Um, well, you can't complain about anything Biden does because you get what you voted for. And I'm like, no, hold up a second. Because what actual patriotic Americans do is criticize every fucking politician that comes into office and hold them to a standard. They don't just devote loyalty to them no. and stand behind them no matter what they do. That's fucking un-American. And if they've been paying attention... Like Biden's not even to office yet, but as soon as he started nominating people for his, for his, um, people are already yes, taking they're note. Already critic. People from the left are criticizing Biden. So if you want to say Biden, some kind of leftist, some kind of antifa supporting leftist, go look at the people that are calling him out right now for putting gas and oil people in charge of environmental shit. <laughs> like he's not getting a break from us. Like, not for one Yeah, the Republican Party seriously minute. needs to get their shit together and stop following somebody around like a cult. You know what I mean? Like, be critical of your candidates because if you actually believe in the causes that these people supposedly represent, then find someone who is loyal to that. You know what I mean? And yeah. there might be times, you know, like people who voted for Trump the first time that said, well, I voted for him because he was, you know, the Republican running, but then didn't vote for him the second time because they were like, there was just too much. At least that's somewhat respectable. You know what I mean? Because the same thing, I voted for Bernie. I wanted Bernie to win. I wanted Bernie to be on the ticket, but that didn't happen. And there are so much shit about Biden that I don't like, Mm -hmm. namely the Medicare for all thing that he's not, he won't back it. And I Mm -hmm. fucking hate that. And I'm not going to let that go. But you know what I mean? It's not necessarily for me lesser of two evils because I don't think that there's necessarily anything about Biden that's super repulsive, mm-hmm. but it wasn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's okay to be critical. You're not supposed to devote yourself to exactly. politicians like that. If Bernie Sanders came out tomorrow and said something extremely offensive or that didn't line up with what I said, you best believe that even though I was like all about him, that I'd be like, this is wrong. Exactly. Because that's what you have to do. Yep. If you if you agree with any person 100% of the time, you're not agreeing with them. You've been, yeah, you've, you've become a devotee. Exactly, of them. exactly. So, I love Jimmy Dore, but I've kind of like gone away from him because to me he's criticizing the left more than he's criticizing anybody. And it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, people on the left got their flaws, but if you're literally defending Trump every time you turn around and picking on you're AOC, not where you it's kind of like, are, mm, yeah. uh, 
I kind of have some problems with what you're saying now. So uh, everybody's open for criticism. That's the only way to be. included. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love when people bring up arguments to me. Like you said earlier about how uh, the right wing uh, different candidates and people in different positions of uh, government have kind of endorsed these terrorists on the right. And I was going to ask you what you thought about people on the left who also stood with the quote-unquote Black Lives Matter movement, which I think is shitty. First of all, you shouldn't even put the, the label Black Lives Matter on these protests because we don't know who these people are. Right. They're not, you know what I mean? Are they Antifa? Are they Black Lives Matter? Are they just random people? Are they people just taking advantage of the chaos? You don't fucking know. Right. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not, they're not wearing t-shirts. You know what I mean? Right. So to, to put a whole label on that is propaganda in itself. But I can see people from the right saying, well, you know, well, they may have endorsed, you know, like Rittenhouse for doing what he did, but like you people on the left support these protests. And I see that argument, and I say all the time, at the beginning when these protests started happening, which first of all, the huge flaw in that is that they're protesting for for reasons that have been made up in propaganda. Mm-hmm. And people on the left are protesting over things that actually happen. You know what I mean? There's usually an event that happens, like the, the murder of Breonna Taylor, that sparks this shit from happening. It doesn't mm-hmm. just come out of nowhere. Um, but I say all the time, and I've said it on this show over and over again, that, you know, one day I'm like, yeah, these protests, this this is the way to do it, because you have to hit people in the pockets. So you start burning down like auto zones and corporate buildings and shit. And it's like, okay, well now maybe people will start paying attention. And I get that. And I understand that. And part of me supports it. But then on the other hand, I see where that's just as wrong as what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I go back and forth with that. But I guess I wanted your input on what, what do you think about that? Like if someone on the right came to you and was like, well, you say they shouldn't prop up people like Rittenhouse. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the left People on the left supporting think, the protests. I think it's hard to to. I think it is a difficult, and we we talked about this after the George Floyd, George Floyd protest, that when a human being's life is repeatedly, you know, treated as if it has zero value. That sometimes I think the rioting and the burning is just outright rage, and it is an attempt to cause monetary damage to get attention, like you said. But the problem is when you implement chaos and it goes too far, then it's out of, it's out of your hands. And people, you know, when, when all this propaganda in 2016 was, was, was leading up to um, the election, R- Russia had people creating fake Facebook accounts. And one of the things that they found out they did was actually organize a Black Lives Matter protest from Russia. Basically, a bot, a person was made a fake Facebook account and said they were a Black Lives Matter leader and said, we're going to protest in this area, tell everybody to meet there at this such and such a time. And that person wasn't a person. Right. It was an Which, instigator. A note there to anybody listening. Um, when they did the local Black Lives Matters protest here, that was one of the things, and I, I caught some shit for it because I get that I get that you want to be supportive because it's something that you believe in. But I kept telling people that this, this protest that had sprung up what seemed like you know two days in advance mm-hmm. by someone that I didn't know, mm-hmm. and I kept asking people, you know, well, do you know this person? Are they involved with, like, you know, the NAACP or the local you know, West Virginia Black Lives Matter, are they involved with any of those? Mm-hmm. And the West Virginia Black Lives Matter uh, posted on their Facebook that they were also they were not involved in this in any way. Mm-hmm. And while this person, 
probably was just trying to do the right thing and just wanted to like feel like they were making a change and like organizing something. I kept telling people, you can't go to this protest because this person, while they may mean well, probably hasn't gotten the right permits and, right. you know, doesn't have permission to be and there. You don't know what, which, you don't, you don't know what their motives right. are. You don't know if they can be trusted. You don't know if there's, you know what I mean? Maybe they're organizing this whole thing so that they can have a group of other people coming to attack you. Or mm-hmm. maybe they're doing it because they know they don't have permits and they know the cops can come break mm-hmm. the shit up. Like, you just don't know and you can't just start organizing and showing up at these protests when you don't even know who's doing it. Right. You gotta know. Like, you gotta know what organization is putting this together. You have to, you have to, or you at least should know the person personally. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, I don't know. I was just like, no way. I'm not going to that. I'm not supporting that because I have right. absolutely no idea what it actually is. And I feel like, you know, as far as the riots go and stuff like that, that even the, even though, you know, what we said about people, like, if they cause enough damage, it'll get something will get done. Unfortunately, it does seem like because the unrest went on for so long, people are like, we actually have to try to make some changes. And they did do some things like banning chokeholds in certain places. Like, some reform did get done. But by the same token, p- being politically active and being informed and getting people into office that are going to make those changes, staying on them. Don't let them make a campaign promise that they're going to do police reform and they get in there and they don't do it because guess what? Somebody can replace you next time. We have to continue to be as diligent and as committed to getting people in office who are going to make those changes as we are to encouraging radical street action. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I agree. I don't want to see it come to that because, like I said, once you light a fire, you don't know if it's going to burn down some innocent person's house. Right, like I understand exactly. your rage. I understand you wanted to, to exact a cost. But when you do an act of violence or intend to do an act of violence on somebody, there's inadvertently you might hurt somebody you didn't intend to hurt. And I'm not for that at all. Like right. I'm a pacifist at heart. I don't want to see that. But I do sympathize. I understand it rage. for sure. I don't know that I would be a person that would take to the streets and and do that damage i don't know that i could do that but i I, i'm not going to preach to someone else when they do it that it's wrong because i just feel like i'm on the sidelines of this and i understand it but it's hard to know it's hard to know what the outcome is going to be at that moment right you know what i mean so i i can't criticize it but i was just curious about that and you know we talked about the social dilemma make sure uh i think it's on netflix actually it is on netflix so check that out hack if you haven't seen The Great Hack, please watch that too because it connects the Brexit decision with Trump and how these were like coinciding things. Like the same people were behind both the social media. Yeah, it's not It's not a fucking... And Myanmar, all of that is yeah. connected. Well, that was what I was going to say is that we didn't talk about it this time and we're out of time now. But I hope to, in the future, do an entire episode about this Myanmar incident um, because Facebook admitted that, that this shit did happen mm-hmm. and that basically they are the cause of the genocide of, of real people dying and real people being murdered and being displaced from their homes. It, it, it's, fa- it's social media. It's Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a conspiracy. I know it sounds crazy to think that like Mark Zuckerberg is responsible for this genocide happening, but he created Facebook and they're responsible. Mm-hmm. But do a little bit of research on it. We're going to try to do an episode on that soon because I feel like it is going to take up a lot of time. Um, and I got to have visuals because I got to get a chart. I got to make a chart. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been meaning to do the research on it. But honestly, I just get to the point where I get so emotionally exhausted with shit. And I know that's going to be a rough one to research because it's like when the first couple nights that I started reading about it, funny enough, because I found it through Borat. 
uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm-hmm. I was like watching all his social media shit, and like his all of his social media is just plastered with fucking hate and Mark Zuckerberg. And he was a part of this platform called Stop Hate for Profit. So then I started looking into that and, they, and learned about all the shit going on in Myanmar. I mean, I'm not like some all-knowing being. I like just learned about this too. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea. But like looking at these pictures of like these kids fucking crying and being ripped away from their parents and fleeing their homes. I'm like emotional. I'm like sobbing because I'm just like, this is like, I, I feel like most people have a disconnect where they're like, well, that's there. It's not here. But like, I can't help but picture being in that same situation. Right. And I like, I see a little girl screaming and crying in her mom's arms as they're running away from their house and I picture me and I picture my niece and I can't I just can't yeah. I can't do it so this past couple of weeks I'm like I'm trying to read about it but it's just it's a lot it's heavy so I'll, I want to do the research and do a whole episode on that but I'm not going to give you a date for it yet because <laughs> it's a little bit tolling yeah <laughs> I'm a crybaby <laughs> and I want and we need to me, Duke and I are getting a war room together at my house we get the podcast set up at her house and uh, we're getting a research room set up at my house so that we can, you know, get our ducks in a row and really bring the information to you in detail and in a timely manner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's all I have. You have anything else to add, Nick? And that's it. All thanks, right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. Well, this is Juke signing off. And this is Mick signing off. That was a good one.